0: Exodus, the second chapter. How many of you, your mom, how many of you are thankful for the things your mom taught you? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, you know, actually, even before I went to school, my mom taught me some really, really good things. As a matter, She taught me, uh, for example, logic. Taught me logic, you know. She said, uh, "Because I said so." That's why. Yeah. Now, there's, there's logic. She taught me to appreciate a job well done. Well, if you're gonna kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. Yeah, yeah. She taught me about religion. You better pray that that will come out of the carpet. Hey, mom, did she teach you about time travel? Yeah. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you in the middle of next week. Yeah, time travel. Yeah. Anybody that ever happened to (laughs) you? What about foresight and vision? Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Mamas have vision. Irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. Hey, she taught us about osmosis, man, the science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your dinner. What about contortionism, twisting up? Uh, you'll, you'll look. Uh, will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? Mm-hmm. Stamina. You sit there till all that spinach is fish, finished. Spinach, spinach. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't say that right. Weather. Well, oh, it looks like a tornado swept through your room. How to solve physics problems? If I yelled because I saw a meteor coming towards you, would you listen then? What about hypocrisy? I love this one. Yeah, mom taught us about hypocrisy. If I've told you once, I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. Yeah. <laughs> Not an exaggeration. The circle of life. I brought you in this world, I can take you out. Yeah. Behavior modification. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we heard that one more than once, right? Behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. Well, you know, yeah. I've heard that one too. Envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have wonderful parents like you do. Yep, taught us to envy. Logic, there's more logic. If you fall off that swing and break your neck, you can't go to the store with me. Very logical. Yeah, I mean, you know. What about medicine? Uh, if you don't stop crossing your eyes, your face is going to freeze that way. Yeah, she taught us to think ahead. If you don't pass your spelling test, you'll never get a good job. What about ESP, you know? Yeah, Put your sweater on. Don't you think I know when you're cold? How how about how to meet a challenge? Uh, What were were you thinking? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't talk back to me. Yeah. Humor, yeah. (laughs) She taught us humor. When that lawnmower cuts your toes off, don't come running to me. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Mama was so good. She taught us a lot of things, right? Yeah. How to become an adult. Eat your, if you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. Yeah. Some of us didn't eat our vegetables, I can tell. No. <laughs> Genetics. You look just like your father. Roots. Do you think you were born in a barn? Wisdom of age. When you get to be my age, you'll understand. Anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home. Yeah. Uh-huh. She taught us about anticipation. And receiving. You're going to get it when you get home. And justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. Then you'll see what it's like. Yeah, there's some justice for you. Uh, Moms are great, aren't they? Praise the Lord. I always, as a math teacher, told my my students to be careful because, you know, I was teaching them math. We'd get to this one subject in geometry and algebra, and they, you know, you teach them pi r squared. But I told her, you better be careful. You go home and say that to your mom. She might slap you. If I aren't square, they're round. You know? <laughs> she knows that. Pie are round, not square. All right, so anyways. Uh, I told you they didn't get better in the last joke, so you know. anyway. Exodus, the second chapter. Uh, let's go ahead and, and uh, read that, and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, uh, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son... And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not, she could not longer hide him. She took him from an ark of, took him for an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with uh, slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off. This is uh, the the sister of this young child. To wit, what would happen or what would be done to him? And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maiden to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then said the sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maiden went and called the child's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, it "Is because I drew him out of the water. Now, if you would turn to Hebrews, or you can look up on the screen, but we're going to turn to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the hall of faith, as it were. A lot of women in this hall of faith. Pretty amazing. But in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 23, it says this, by faith, Moses when he was born, was hid three months for his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he had come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just thank you right now. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is in this house. Lord, I pray right now that I would decrease and you would increase. I pray, Lord God, that no flesh would be glorified in this house right now. I bind Satan. Every attack. Everything, Lord God, that would hinder a move of your spirit. Everything that would hinder, Lord God, the work that you called to. I pray that lives and hearts would be fertile soil to receive your word today, Lord. And we just thank you for your mighty outpouring. For your mighty works in this house that you said where two or three are gathered together in my name, there you are in the midst of us. And so I just thank you right now, Lord God, that you are here to save, to heal, to deliver, to, to, re- to give us strength. We just thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to just say something really quick. What you pass out in your attitudes, in your work, in the way you interact with the people around you is what you pass down to your children. The way, there's little eyes watching our moves. We may not want it that way, but they are. They are. They're watching us. They watch who we are, what we do. Boy, I'll tell you what, I'm not perfect. And I I remember several times, and maybe y'all have had this happen. You know, you're driving, and you you know how you like to talk to the other drivers? Very politely, right? Uh, Oh yeah. I remember once, uh, I can't remember if she got it from, it must have been Janae. Surely I wouldn't have done this, yeah. I remember Julia. She must have been three or four years old. Mom was just driving. Some car cuts across. My wife didn't even say anything. My, my daughter in the back says, Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she got it from me, but anyways. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. 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 You're thinking. Where in the, what? Yeah. Who would have taught her to yeah. say that? no way. How could she say that? They watch us. They watch everything we do. And uh, boy, they tell everything we do, don't they? Man, I got in so much trouble. My kids would say the most embarrassing things. Yeah, no, I don't know what they're talking about. They must have seen, they must have been over playing at the neighbor's house. When they, yeah, I don't know. I don't, You know, you think about that. But what we pass out, we pass down. The way we interact, you know, and, and. And so, I want you to be thinking about that as we're going through this. And I want you to see this mother, this mother of of vision, this mother of faith, this mother of courage. I want you to see her life. But don't think to yourself, well, this is a Mother's Day message. Men, don't tune me out because I'm talking about a woman of faith in the Bible. Don't tune me out now. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to mothers. I want to talk to young people. Let me tell you something. Every single one of us has somebody we're influencing. Even if we don't think it's there. Young people, I'm telling you, there is somebody looking at you. There's somebody watching you. Somebody watching your every move, everything you do. You are leading someone even if you don't think you are. Somebody's watching what you do. They're watching you. And this lady is, is a woman of faith, and there's some things we can glean from this passage and from this scripture that cause all of us to say, wow, okay, you know what? I want to be a better father. I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better person. I want to give my life over to Christ and, and do better so that I can lead others to Him and lead others to Jesus Christ. And, and them to know the great blessing that I live in and that, that the, the, you know, I'll just tell you right now, I'm prosperous. In Jesus' name. I ain't talking about money. If you thought I was talking about money, you got the wrong thing. I got something so much better. Yeah, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away, Amen. I've got a joy, not a happiness, but a joy that God has given me. That it just, you know, your happiness comes and goes. You get excited about something and then the next day it's gone. That happiness fades. But God can give you a joy that becomes your strength. God can pour into you something that, that every single day, on the good days and the bad days, when you get the good reports and when you get the bad, when you're making great money or when you just got laid off, you can still have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can still have a joy that sustains you through trials and tribulation. And I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I have experienced it myself. I have experienced losing everything, physical, Property in this world and I can tell you that there's a God who was faithful to me and that even when I lost it all, even when I lost everything, God was faithful. And He gave me a joy that was beyond all the tragedy, all the trial, all the pain, all the suffering, all those, all those things. And some of you have experienced that same joy, that same peace that doesn't come from religion. It doesn't come from this church religious organization. It comes straight from God. You and I, if we are in Christ Jesus, we are a royal priesthood. We can go straight to God. I don't have to go to the priest and say, priest, please pray for me, intercede for me on behalf of God. I can go straight to him. Now, thank you, Jesus, for a prayer warrior group that I can gather around and can lift me up and pray with me and join with me, but I thank God that when I'm in the darkest day and when I'm all alone and it just doesn't seem like anything can happen, I can kneel down beside my bed. I can kneel down at these altars. I can go to Jesus Christ and I can cry out to Him and He is there to help me and to answer me. Now, in this case in in Exodus, what was happening in this situation, they had been in captivity 400 years. Things started getting really bad. They started uh, being beaten and and persecuted. And things got worse and worse and worse. And and, uh, now this nation, Israel, they went in a group of roughly 70 people. But now they had grown. uh, Some estimates uh, over a million of these Israelites had grown in the land of Goshen there in Egypt. And they had grown so big that Pharaoh was scared that they would be able, if they ever wanted to revolt, they would be able to take over Egypt. And so Pharaoh began to get scared, and what did he do? He started to commit genocide of that nation. Yeah. He took every single male that was born, when they were being brought to be, to, uh, you know, brought to be dedicated, these child, children were snatched up and killed. Every single one of these children, these male children, were to be killed. And Moses was born during a time of great persecution of the Israelite people. And his mom, Jockbed, what a great mother name. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Jockbed. Give me a hug, Jockbed. Anyone named Jockbed in the house? Anybody? Yeah. All right, Jockbed. You're going to make a great mom someday. Yeah. Well, hey, let me tell you, I, I hope I hope that you will take on her characteristics. Because here's what she is. We see several things. We see multiple things. You'd think in this passage you wouldn't see a lot. But let me show you the faith of this woman of God who believed God. She was of the tribe of Levites. She knew who she was. She had an identity. She hadn't forgotten over 400 years. Over all that time, they had kept their lineage. They knew that they were of the tribe of Levites. As a matter of fact, God was going to use that tribe of Levite to be that... that uh, priesthood of believers who would work in the temple, who would be leaders and, and, and people of God. And her and her husband were godly people. And they saw their child and they had vision when they looked at their child and they could see this is a child of blessing. This is a child of promise. This is a child of deliverance. This is a child that's going to redeem. This is something special going on in this child. And so even though there was a fear of persecution... They didn't care, as the Hebrews tells us, uh, Hebrews, the, the verse tells us that, that despite the, the edict, despite Pharaoh coming in, I mean, he could have killed the whole family if they found out what they were doing. But they took their son and hid him for three months, knowing that they could receive that persecution against them, knowing that he could that he could kill their whole family just because they protected this one boy. But they knew he was a child of promise. They knew there was something special. Praise God for mothers who see in their boys, uh, you know, who see in their their young ladies something greater than they see in themselves. And and if you don't, I encourage you as a mother, let me tell you something. You start seeing something in them. I'm not telling them, giving them false hope. See, I'm glad my mom didn't say, You're going to play for the thunder one day. (laughs) Guys, tell you. yeah. 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 I. No. Ain't happening. Aerodynamically challenged. I think that's probably the best way I could put it. Aerodynamically challenged. Yeah. I don't leave very far off the ground. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. We're not all called to the same things. Amen. But if you're called to be an NBA star, be one for Christ. If you're called Amen. to sing, sing for Christ. Amen. And I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't know their lifestyles, and I don't know, you know, everything they proclaim, and I, so I'm certainly not trying to, to, you know, I'm, I'm going off of very limited knowledge. But I will tell you, it's pretty amazing that lately some of our young, even some of them who are singing, you know, secular songs, you know, country music and other other songs like uh, Carrie Underwood. You know, I'm glad that in the in the last thing of American Idol. She chose to sing something about being baptized and knowing Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't know the song real well, but she chose. She could have sang another song, but she chose to speak of one that spoke about Jesus Christ and being baptized and coming up out of the water. I think it's something in the water or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, um, some of y'all listen to country restroom music or western, western music. Yeah, uh, You know what I'm talking about. You got this, right? <laughs> I, I, my iPod has like three songs. My my wife and kids, they got all the songs, you know, I listen to podcasts and stuff. But, uh, you know, the the thing is, whatever God's called you to do, whatever God's talent is, whatever God's gifted you in, praise God for moms who look at their at their sons and daughters and speak life into them and speak that into their life and and see that vision that God gives them and they're not willing to to send their kids off into the world and, and just leave them to the world but they are going to train them up and it's amazing this mom let me tell you what there's a lot of you, you don't get all the details in the in Exodus you get a lot more when you read Hebrews but something's going on as a matter of fact when you, when you look at the commentaries of how Egypt did their different things, that uh, queen of Pharaoh, that, that princess of Pharaoh, comes down. And she didn't just go anywhere in the river. They, would, they actually had these fenced-in areas where, the, where they would come down and get down in there, and she could do her bathing and ceremonial bathing, and they would have different maidens all surrounding her, watch for crocodiles, watch for intruders and things like that. And so they would have, they would have different weeds and, and just kind of covering well, this mama didn't just throw her child into the river. She put him right there in a certain spot where it could be seen. As a matter of fact, Miriam, which we know is Moses' sister, was actually older than Moses was. And she was already born. And so what does she do? She, she's there watching to see what's going to happen. They didn't just throw them in the river and hope it all panned out. They had vision and faith to know that God was going to take care of their child, that God had it all under control. They couldn't hide them anymore. It had already gone. She was a woman of vision that would trust God. She was a woman of faith. When she put that child down in that water, let me tell you what. The hardest thing you will ever do, the hardest thing you will ever do is let your children go. See, so you train them in vision and you speak life into their, in their life and you speak it in them. But at some point, you got to say, okay, now I'm going to put you out in the water. I'm, gonna, I'm going to let you go and allow God to work in you and allow God to do something in your life. And boy, what a scary thing. Some of you have actually let them go out, out of the house. You know, they're, they're no longer living with you. My girls aren't, but I'll tell you, in many ways, I've already had to let them start going and doing things can't wrap them up in bubble tape and throw them in the closet, you know. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? You know, some of you men are like, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, if you got boys, you probably just, yeah, get out there. But, you know, if you got girls, man, I'm like, oh, yeah, wrap them up, you know, take care of them, yeah. Eh, worried about that, right? Well, she was a woman of faith. We need faith. We need vision for our young people. We need to see that in, in their lives and, and speak that into their lives. And we also, I want to say, Billy Graham said this, only God himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother in the molding of character in her children. Our moms reach our kids in a way us men can't. Now, now, we need men in the home. We need godly men. I know some of you are raising your children on your own. and And you probably have people that are godly people that get to speak into their life. So some of you, you're having to do that. And I understand. I get it. But, man, we need men. We need women. But, but us men, we play a different role, and we show our kids a different thing. We need godly mothers that are in our kids' lives, infusing into them faith and influence. And I'll tell you what. There's, there's things that our mothers will do. Even, even if you think, man, I'm not a great mother, let me tell you what. Yeah, everything you say, it's going in. It's going in. It may not sound like it, but it's going in. It's going in. We need to be like Jobbed. We need to be a mother with courage. We need to be a mother with courage. She acted on her faith and vision despite the king's fear, or the fear of the king. Despite the edict he had, she had courage to stand up and say, "I'm going. Uh, I'm going to keep this child. I'm going to defy." them. I'm not, I don't care about the fear of man. I want to, I want to trust God. I want to believe God. As a matter of fact, in her society, she was willing to take a stand and say, I'm going to trust God. And you know, she wouldn't be like those who in Jesus's day actually stood there and said, no, they, they wouldn't declare Jesus Christ in the open because they said they love the praises of man more than the praises of God. But she refused to be that kind of person. See, we ought to be loving and kind and care for people and help lift them up and raise them up. We ought, we ought not to be judging everybody and, tell, and tearing them down and, and you're going to hell and you're going this. You know, most people, if they're living in a sin and they've probably heard that already, they probably have a good idea of where they're going. Yeah. You don't need to tell them. Let God sort that part out. Man. But live a life of courageous, of courageous action that will cause you to act on your faith to do things in faith. And I'll tell you, when you begin to act on what God says, He will guide and order your steps. It was, no, it was no accident this Friday as I just, someone's name popped into my mind, and I thought, I'm going to take them those sandals. Now, there's no accident there. I'm going to take them those sandals. I had no idea anything was going on, but I didn't need to because the Holy Spirit who's inside of me did. He knew what was going on, and he had a message for that lady. She was going through something, and you know what? God had given her two or three different things that day that she shared with me, and I told her, I said, you know what? I think sometimes God just wants to let us know it's going to be all right. Yeah. You know, she'd have loved to heard the answer from God, your cancer's gone. The diagnosis is wrong. She'd have loved to hear that. She'd love the, the doctors to call back and say, man, we, we accidentally messed up. Your record's with someone else. You're in perfect health. She'd have loved to hear that. But instead, God just was there to say, you know what? I'm with you. I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. I'm going to be with you every single step of the way. And I just want to give you a little encouragement to know that I haven't forgot you. Because I didn't think of her, but God did. All I had to do was walk. It says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. Well, let me tell you how that works. Some of you may be thinking, I'm not that righteous. Well, you know, hey, let me tell you... um, I throw on a, a suit coat, and I put on a tie, and I, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't really look that good in it anyways. But the truth is, uh, I, I throw this on because that's kind of, you know, what's expected of a pastor, right? You know, that, that's the way, you know, a pastor looks and does his stuff. But let me tell you what, I am righteous because of one I ain't righteous because of what I wear. Whether I got rags or, or the, the most expensive suit in the world, I'm not righteous because of what I wear. I'm not righteous even because of what I do, though my faith causes me to do great things in Christ Jesus. But what causes me to be righteous is I've been clothed with something spiritual. I've been clothed in Jesus Christ, I've been clothed in, in robes of righteousness, not of my own doing. I All I did was said, God, I surrender my will to your will. I give my life over to you. I want to walk in, in your path. I want to do what you call me to do. And you know what? It's amazing. I've seen over the last six months, I have stood in awe of the many. I mean, wow, I should be journaling this stuff. I'm going to have to borrow one of your ladies' journals. <laughs> you know, just give it to me because I need to start journaling this stuff. It is amazing over the last six months. How I just stand back and say, wow, I mean, didn't have a clue, and yet God just keeps ordaining these steps. Why? Some of y'all are saying, well, yeah, God God ordains the steps of a righteous person. So maybe when I get righteous, you realize if you're in Christ Jesus, you cannot get more righteous. Righteous means right standing with God. Your righteousness means right standing with God. You can't get more righteous with God than being clothed in Jesus Christ. What happens is, is you get clothed in Jesus Christ and then he begins to work inside of you and make you become more and more like him. But my standing with God's already been paid for on a cross. I didn't do anything except, Lord, I receive it. I receive it. That's it. That's all I did. That was my only part. It was not of any works that I could do. Paul said it. Not of works, lest any man should boast. That's it. Here they are. She is a woman of courage. Now I want to show you something that you may have missed. And then we're going to close. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Remember it says, Jachbed defied the king. She wasn't afraid of what the king's edict was. Right? Did you catch what it says about Moses?? In verse 27, it says, "By faith, he forsook Egypt, not what's that word? Fear. Not fearing the wrath of the king." What did it say about her? By faith, when he was born, was hid three months by his parents. Because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. What you pass out, you pass down. You hear it? What you pass out, that faith and vision and courage. You maybe think that your kids aren't hearing it. They're not seeing it. They're not feeling it. You pass it down. When you stand firm in the fire, and when you stand with joy and peace in Christ Jesus, you pass it on to your kids. And you may think everything's going on. I, I mean, I, I got something. I got something crazy here. No, this is not my apron. I like to cook. But I wouldn't wear this thing. I do know how to put this thing on. We'll have this available at the photo booth. that look good? Get the cameras out. There's a woman by the name of Susanna, sometime in the 1800s. Some of you will know this. And this woman, Susanna, was a woman of God. She was like Jock Bed. And she lives in some times when her life, pretty much her whole life, was constantly in shambles. But she had a joy and she knew who God was and she had faith in God. She had 19 kids, but nine of them died at an early age. 19, but nine of them died. Some of y'all, y'all have had that. You, you struggled with kids that didn't, you know, stillborn or, or you know, just just a few months old. But she had 19 kids, but only uh, 10 of them survived. One of them, they almost lost in a fire. Twice their house burned down, and they lost everything. They have insurance like we would have or... Or things. I mean, they lost everything. They were poor. They didn't have much money. But what she did have is faith in Almighty God. And she trained up her kids. And she poured out faith in her kids constantly. As a matter of fact, Susanna, one of the things that she would do was really, really powerful. Would you stand? Because we're going to close with this. I I want to end with this. I want you to have that vision. I want you to have that faith. I want you to have that courage. It doesn't matter whether you're a, a, a mother of faith or a man of faith. I want to speak into your life right now that God is calling you to rise up and be that leader. Maybe, maybe you look at yourself and you think, well, I'm 80-something years old. What more do I have to offer? Let me tell you what. You have a lot to offer because you have some young people that you can lead. That you, you, know, you, may, you may think, well, I can't dance like they dance, and I don't do all the things they do, and I don't like all the lights they like, and I don't like all the music they like. But let me tell you what. Your faith is very much alike. Yeah. and you can pour out a faith in them, and they may dance funny, yeah. and they may li- you know listen to weird songs, and you don't, you, know, you don't like the beat of their music, but they can have the faith and the Holy Spirit like you have. Yeah. Right. They can have that power and anointing uh, that you carry in your life. Right. You're not too, young, too old, and you're not too young. The Bible says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Yeah. That's right. All of you young people, you can be an example even. You know most of the modern revivals that we had in the 18th and 19th century were started by youth, by teenagers. They weren't started by you know, someone who was 40, 50, 60 years old. They were started by teenagers yes. who wanted to get an experience with God and so they started praying and seeking the Lord and, and they, they discovered Him and He poured out the Spirit of God over them and they started a revival. It even happened with the Azusa Street revivals. In Kansas City is where it actually started with a bunch of teenagers who were just sold out to God. But Susanna made a commitment in her life. She said, God, I want to raise these kids to be godly kids. She had actually taught them five different languages. Five different languages. She homeschooled every one of them. She, said, You know, don't, don't try to compare yourself to her. You're not Susanna. You're who God wants you to be. But here's what's awesome about it. This wife, this mother, Susanna, raising up these kids told God I'm going to commit something to you she said for every hour of entertainment or things I do that's joy for me and fun for me she said I'm going to make sure I spend that equal amount of time in prayer what she found out was she was such a busy mother she never really got much time for entertainment so she finally just told God I'm going to spend two hours a day in prayer when you got ten kids two hours a day is a lot of time in prayer well they had a small house and they didn't have any kind of place for her to go so she had an apron. I don't know if it looked like this at all. Surely it was bigger. But she told her kids when you see me with this apron, this is what you do. Now I'm, I'm about to look foolish for Christ, okay? Right there. Doesn't that look sweet? Lord, please help me not to fall on my face So I'm walking around with this thing on my head. Any prayer warriors in the house? Huh. Susanna told her kids that when you see this over my head, you are not to disturb me. I am praying. And she began every day for two hours to pray for her children and call all ten of them out by name. And she called out John. And she called out Charles. And she called out these young men who would later become known to you and I. See, her name was Susanna Wesley. Yes, sir. And little John Wesley yeah. and little Charles Wesley would shake up England yes, and even travel into some of America. Yes, it Charles Wesley wrote over 9,000 Hymns. Many of those hymns are in these hymn books. Nine thousand. Between the two of them, they reached over a million people in their day, and the and the Methodist movement still goes on. That's who. They, that's the Methodist movement was started after they died, based on them. They started that. Charles or uh, uh, John Wesley preached to thirty-two thousand people without a PA or microphone system in one setting. Preached to 32,000 there in England without a microphone system. That's, that's pretty powerful. That's pretty annoying. But it all comes back. You see, They had the spirit of God, but where'd they give it? Because what that woman, Susanna, passed out, passed out, she passed down. And her kids served God. And they were world changers. They were nation shakers. They tore up things. I mean, I, I'm talking about they shook the kingdom uh, of Satan. They, they shook it um, in many ways, raised it. I'm talking about just tear it up. And they advanced the kingdom of God in their day. Why? Because of a mother who was willing to pray over their kids. And I believe that that same spirit that's in a mother can be in a father. It won't look like Susanna. You don't have to be Susanna. Right? Right? Some of you, it's just a matter of saying, you know what, God, I'm going to commit to you today that I'm going to start living for you. Some of you, you're just saying, God, I'm just going to surrender to you. I don't know how. I don't even know how to live a righteous life. I don't know how to live like you. I don't know how to to act like you. I don't even know what it means. But today, I'm willing to say, God, I surrender to you and I give everything to you. That's all it takes. He'll work in you. The Holy Spirit of God will come into your life and begin to change you and begin to move you and direct you. Uh, Uh-uh. It, it, it'll change your life. Some of you have been saved, but you just need to say, God, I, I want to draw closer to you. I want to live for you. I want, I want the power and unction of your Holy Spirit. I want you to live and dwell and move inside of me. I want you to give me the strength I need to be a witness to everywhere I go and, and people to see Christ Jesus inside of me in my life. That's all we need. I need more of you today. I can't be righteous except through Jesus Christ. He's my only hope. My tendency, everyone in this room, your tendency, is not to start getting more and more like Christ. In the natural realm, our tendency is to get more and more like Satan, to get more and more corrupt. You hear people say, oh, that's a really good person. Oh, well, they're doing a really great job. Let me tell you what, all of our righteousness is just filthy rags in in God's sight. We're no comparison to God don't get better, we get worse. Unless we choose to say, God, I want to abide in you. I want to choose to live for you. You can't work your way there. You can't get there with any other way. People try. People try to be good. Being good won't get you saved. Being good won't make make you whole again. Giving away all your money doing all those things won't make it won't make it work won't make it work only one thing makes it work Jesus Christ he will cause you to start being good to start doing good things but those won't be the things that save you those won't be the things that deliver to you only that Christ Jesus is inside of you